0: Hey there, I'm Kevin Daisy. And I'm Eric Olson. You're listening to the Managing Partners Podcast, where we interview top lawyers about how they're growing their firms. All right, we are live. Welcome to another live recording of the Managing Partners Podcast. We're live right now on Facebook, LinkedIn, and YouTube. So thanks for joining us if you're tuning in live. Be sure to ask any questions as me and Stephanie are talking today, and we'll be sure to answer those. My name is Kevin Daisy. I'm your host. I'm also the founder of Array Digital. We are a digital marketing agency that only works with law firms. You can check out arraylaw.com. But for now, let's focus on our guests here. My guest out of South Carolina, Stephanie, thanks for joining us. How are you doing today?
1: Absolutely. Thanks for having me today. I'm honored.
0: Absolutely. Well, Excited to learn more about your story your firm and its specialty and just hear more about your journey. So let's get started with that. So tell me, you know, your backgrounds and how you became an attorney and how you really got to where you are today.
1: Okay. So I am a fertility and family law attorney in Charleston, South Carolina. My background history, I've always been in law. From the time I was 19, I started working in law firms. I took a year off after high school. Um, My parents, I'm the daughter of a steel worker from outside of the Pittsburgh area, and those were tough times. And so my parents weren't in a position to help me with college and whatnot. So I took a year off just to try to figure out what I want to do. Ended up going into law firm working for attorneys because when I decided to go to college, I told my father, I don't know what I want to do. And he said, well, you like to argue and you're never wrong. So maybe you should either work for attorneys or be one. Well, the idea of being an attorney when you just have a high school degree is a little overwhelming. So I started um, as a receptionist and I worked during the day and went to school at night. And so by the time I finished my bachelor's degree, I was already a senior litigation paralegal in Virginia, in Norfolk, as a matter of fact.
0: Right down the street from me.
1: Yes. Shout out for the Tidewater area. And then I met my husband, got married, took a little bit of time off for myself, and then decided that I wanted to go to law school. What had happened was I had risen to a level as a paralegal, a senior paralegal, where my job was to train baby lawyers. That was getting a little old. <laughs> I always worked in um, some kind of mass tort litigation practice, so personal injury. But yes, that was my role Was at that point was to train baby lawyers, go alongside them. And I thought, you know what? I can do this. I'm just as smart. And, you know, they're making four times as much as me. Something, something's got to give. So I talked to my husband about it and said, you know, I'd really like to go to law school and just take my career to the next level. And he was totally on board with that. Um, So I went to law school. I totally thought that I was going to continue working in personal injury after law school, but I was introduced to fertility law about halfway through. So I read an article about the growing number of embryos in storage left over from IVF that have no final destination. They're just sitting in cryobanks. And, And the focus was on snowflake babies, babies born from those frozen embryos, but there was a section about the evolving area of law that, you know, there's a patchwork of laws across the country. There's no consistency. And, you know, fertility law combines my love of law and family. And I thought, you know what, I want to be a part of that. That sounds new, exciting, cutting edge. And if anyone's going to be involved in influencing the law and how it evolves, at least in my own state, I want to be a part of that. So by the time I finished law school, I decided to go ahead and start my own practice because there's so few of us that practice in this area of law that looking for a mentor was almost impossible in my state. So I really just had to go at it alone, make my own path, find my own allies across the country that work in this area and then grow the practice. And so now I've been practicing for 10 years. Like I said, I do fertility and family law. So I do have a healthy, uh, you know, divorce custody practice. I have an associate who focuses a lot on military family law because they have such unique issues when it comes to divorces with a military service member. So Mm -hmm. I try to, my goal is to help parents bring home their dream baby. And for our other clients, we help our military service members divorce with dignity.
0: Excellent. And If anyone watches the area I live in, that's a a large military presence here where I'm at, uh, Norfolk area. So uh, that's pretty common around here for sure. So what's the actual terminology for the fertility law you practice again?
1: So my colleagues and I, we call our, we refer to ourselves as art attorneys, which stands for assisted reproductive technology attorneys, but that's a bit of a mouthful. And you usually get a (laughs) head tilt when you say that to someone who doesn't practice in this area of law. So I typically describe myself as a, as a fertility attorney, which the next question naturally is, Ooh, what's that? Um, It really is a conversation starter.
0: Yeah. So I, it's a newer, it's newer to me. And we had a, a great guest on last week who you uh, seem to know, Carlando, Scott. So, uh, it practices in the same area. So, you know, again, it's something that's not as familiar to me talking to a lot of attorneys, uh, every week. So, uh, very, it's always interesting to learn something new and, and see what else is out there. So, and it's a really awesome story about how, well, really how you started young and you had to kind of work your way up and work your way through. You weren't handed a check or, you know, yeah. whatever, so. But you did what you had to do to get it done and navigate your way through so excellent story and journey you've been on so with and actually everyone uh take turn in uh check out her website and check out our website i'll give you more details about these things um, i'll put this link in the comments as well so you can click on that easily and go check that out i'll do that in just a second here so really just i want to kind of talk about the journey you've been on and, and kind of how yeah, a little bit of the struggle to kind of get to where you are and had to go through different kind of stages from receptionist to paralegal to training, you know, younger attorneys to being like, I want to be an attorney myself. What would be for the younger attorneys watching or tuning in to this show that have not yet taken the next step or going on their own, or maybe they're even not even sure if they, you know, what they want to do, if they want to go to school, but any kind of tip you would give that person that's kind of not sure where they want to go, if they want to take that next step or not?
1: Well, I mentor a lot of law students here in Charleston because we have the Charleston School of Law, which is where I graduated from. And so that school was so good to me when I was a student. I was a non-traditional student. I seemed to do everything the hard way. I don't, it's not intentional, but, you know, when I started law school, I was married with two children, age two, ages two and five at the time. And they were really good to me about Letting me be creative in how I structured my classes. So I'm always, I try to give back to the school when I can. Sometimes I go into the law school and I have a conversation with the new students about, you know, what it's like, you know, planning for the future. When you do get out and when you do pass the bar, what's the next step? The one thing I try to impress upon them is you better love what you do. You know, I've been doing this for 10 years. I think I have the best job in the world. You know, I took matters into my own hands and I took a chance. I stepped out in the middle of a recession and started my own practice. People said I was crazy, um, that I was committing financial suicide. But, you know, if you really love what you do, it shows and the work will come. So sometimes the students will say, well, when I get out of school, I'm going to have student loans. I may not have the luxury of picking and choosing my job. I may have to just take whatever's offered. And that's okay. You know, you have to do uh, what you can to pay the bills. But don't give up on your dream. You know, if you have to take a job in real estate law because you have those student loans, go ahead and take that job, get your foot in the door. But at some point, when you earn the trust of the partners that you work for, talk to them about branching out into another area of law or at least start making those connections in the community so that if there is a firm hiring that practices in an area that you're interested in, you've already developed a rapport with attorneys in that firm and they'll let you know when a position comes open. You know, every step you take can be strategic. Um, It doesn't have to be final, um, but don't give up on your goal. And not only do you need to love what you do, because you're going to be doing it every day, but also our practice has a lot of substance abuse issues. And I think a good part of that is people practicing in an area of law that they don't love and they become a slave to the money you know, and the lifestyle that it provides, but they hate what they're doing. So before you get caught up in that very um, downward spiral and it affects your mental health, you know, take control of the situation and just be mindful. That's not the attorney that you want to be 10 years after law school. You want to be happy about what you're doing or at least moving in a direction that makes you happy. Hey
0: there, this is Eric J. Olson, the CEO of Array Law. If you're ready to work with a world-class digital marketing company, reach out. You can find us online at arraylaw.com or call us at any time, 757-333-3021. Great tip for anyone young and watching, whether you're an attorney or not, I think is you got to get your foot in the door. You have to start. And I think the biggest problem for most people is, you know, not starting and that goes with, with a lot of things, but get your foot in the door and things with marketing. When we hire folks, I look at the people that interned while in college, more so than really their college degree. What were they doing while they were trying to to get their degree? Uh, Were they putting in effort? Were they, were they practicing what they want to prior to that? So, Mm -hmm. oh yeah, get your foot in the door. Just like you, I mean, it sounds like you were in personal injury mostly and you could have just stayed there,
1: mm-hmm.
0: but once you had the opportunity, you decided that I want to do something different. So. Yeah.
1: I wanted to do something completely different and I really wanted to be the boss. You know, <laughs> I knew what was waiting for me at the end of four years. Cause I, I went to law school part-time, so it was just an extra year, but who cares? I was already working in a law firm, but I knew what was waiting for me. I heard the partners complaining about the associates you know, saying, "Oh, can you believe they were complaining because they were uh, worked seventy hours last week and they were in California taking depositions for three weeks When I was their age, I was gone for a month. I didn't see my spouse for you know a long time, and they seemed to think that they should just have to work <laughs> nine to five. I mean, I heard all the complaints. And I, I didn't want that for myself. You know, I didn't want to work seventy hour work weeks. Oh my goodness. <laughs> i've I've paid my debt to society. I just needed to be the boss. And the only way to do that was just to step out in faith and make the effort to blaze my own trail. And I was determined when I get, when I put my mind to something, nothing can stop me. You can ask my family about that. Um, And I was determined. And so, you know, touch, going back to what you said about marketing, you know, that's a big component when I started out because I had to make a name for myself. There's so few attorneys that practice in this area. A lot of people don't know what fertility law is about. And the people that needed my services were not talking about it openly. You know, infertility is very taboo. It's very private. You don't talk about that in public. You don't put it on Facebook or Instagram. You don't put those struggles out there. So I had to stop and think, okay, who is my target market? How am I going to get to those individuals who are struggling and just need direction on a new path? And they, the new path is going to come through a fertility clinic, but finalizing and securing their legal rights is going to come through me. So how do I bring all these people together? So I, believe me, I beat the pavement hard for a couple of years. That's for sure.
0: Well, yeah. I mean, for the area that you practice in, it's kind of like, maybe similar to divorce, it depends, but you're not going to ask your neighbor for a referral for a divorce attorney. Maybe, I don't know. It's,
1: I don't know. Divorce <laughs> attorneys seem to be a dime a dozen and every neighbors are probably more likely to ask like, "Look, did you like your divorce attorney or was he an SOB?" because I don't want that person. Um so I don't I don't know, but yeah, you yeah. just have to be depending on your area of law, you have to be strategic about the marketing and the message that you're sending out and how to get to your target market.
0: Yeah, excellent. So yeah, a lot of good tips there if you're watching and you're trying to start on your own or coming out of law school want will rewind and, and listen to that again. But uh yeah, when you put your mind to it, I'm the same way. My wife knows that, unfortunately. The uh, <laughs>
1: That's probably what my husband says
0: too. Let our, let's get our family on here and have a conversation. But um, yeah, it's just uh that's sometimes it's just the way to be. You have to you have to kind of see it, you have to know it. And and it might not be tomorrow, you know. It it might take some time. You gotta go to school. You get you might have to take that job you don't want. You might have to intern. And be a paralegal or a a receptionist or whatever, but you're immersing yourself in that. And and I think the other thing cool too, is that you probably found out where you don't want to be by having some of those positions.
1: You know, absolutely. And I've worked for several firms before going to law school. I worked for small firms. I worked for large firms and I saw the pros and cons of both environments. And so all of that gave me a really good experience. I came away knowing, what kind of boss I didn't want to be, what kind of boss I did want to be. You know, I'm not going to throw things at my staff. Yes. That (laughs) happened to me.
0: I only do that every once in a while. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um,
1: You know, what kind of, what kind of benefits are most important to employees? What motivates them and makes them loyal to you? um, How to pick your A team, if you will. So, I mean, I got some, all of those experiences contributed to my overall growth and progress. And as a matter of fact, I said earlier that I graduated right in the middle of a recession and a lot of my friends couldn't get jobs out of law school. And so they were going back to teaching or bartending. And I said, you know, why don't, I'm opening my own practice. I'm going to be a one woman show for a little while. Why don't you do the same thing? And we can share office space, you know, cut our expenses a little bit. And they were terrified. They were terrified at the idea of opening their own practice. They weren't questioning their ability so much to practice law but it's the practical aspects of running a business that scared them. And I had been exposed to all of that in my, in the various positions that I worked in and I was involved in it to some degree, you know, kind of like middle management, if you will. So I wasn't afraid of it. It didn't intimidate me and it made it an easier choice for me to go out on my own.
0: Yeah. It makes a lot of sense. They didn't, they didn't have those opportunities. So for them it's like scary, fresh. They don't know what to even do where you're, Probably like, well, I have a pretty good idea.
1: Yeah, I had a basic list.
0: Yeah, that's excellent. So I think the big takeaway there is get experience wherever you can.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And a lot of good things come out of it. You can you know, find the right job or go to your own practice and at least figure out where you want to be, where you don't want to be. And start getting your foot in the door as soon as possible with folks. Worst case, I assume, you know, if you've worked in another firm you don't want to be at, if you had a good experience, they liked you, but you leave, they're going to refer you. They're going to help you out refer you cases if they come across.
1: And that so. is a really true statement because the last firm that I worked for, the personal injury firm, they have been so good to me. They have re, you know, they don't do family law. So they refer cases to me for divorce cases. During the recession, they downsize their offices. They have some pretty big offices here in Charleston and they donated furniture to me to get my office, oh, wow. to get my practice started. I mean, they were really good to me despite That's the awesome, fact that awesome. I left them. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, you live on good terms. and uh, Yes, you know, absolutely. We'll have folks leave our company and for whatever reasons that they might want to do something different. And, you know, we're happy to help them with what we can. And it's just, you can't force people to to stay or be a yeah. fit, you know? And everyone's got their own goals and dreams. So, mm-hmm. so quickly uh, thinking about your your goals and dreams, already very successful. So congratulations on that. What's really the next stage? What's the you know, the two to five years look like for, for your firm?
1: So April 1st was my 10 year anniversary. And for the past year now, I've been working with how to manage a small law firm out of Florida because, and it took me a while to find them. I, I knew that I was coming up on this, like growth spurt (laughs) for my practice. Yeah. They're wonderful. I knew i was coming up on like a growth spurt but i just didn't know what to do i was just kind of like paralysis by overanalysis. if you've ever heard that <laughs> so oh, yeah. i kept finding business consultants that help businesses but i couldn't find anyone that specifically helped law firms so finally through some connections i met them covid everything was shut down when we were all in quarantine last spring and i thought you know what i'm going to use this as an opportunity to grow and to learn because now I've got the time to like stop and think and analyze. So I started working with them in the middle of COVID, started implementing the concepts that they teach us about how to analyze our business, how to run the law firm, like a business, not just money in money out, but making smart choices, how to forecast success, you know, how to anticipate problems, bumps in the road. If this happens in this month, that means you're going to have a cash crunch in about 90 days and you better be ready for it. So I'm a lot smarter about my practice. Um, I look at it a totally different way. My associate is a result of their coaching and giving me good advice. And he's he's done a wonderful job here. I'm going to continue growing. You know, I do want to give a plug to How to Manage because I was a bit skeptical at the beginning, you know, kind of like, oh, yeah, I heard all these like success stories and I'm like, oh, they cherry picked. <laughs> they cherry pick their people with success stories, but you know what? If I if I do a little bit better, then that's awesome. But with the things I've learned from them, you know, I said my practice was 10 years old on um, April 1st.
0: By oh, ju-
1: by July of this year, I had beaten my best year in revenue in 10 years. Oh wow! So during the entire 10 year time, I surpassed that by July. So. I'm a firm believer in what they teach us as far as how to manage our practices. And if anyone's curious about them, you're welcome to give me a call. Contact me. I'll tell you what I know. Put you in some good hands. But if you need that push um, to better manage your practice, they're definitely someone you should look at.
0: 100%. Uh, we have a few clients that are members. Uh, I've heard nothing but good things. Um, we have some ourselves will hopefully be partners of How to Manage. From a marketing perspective, which we've been working on for a while, but excellent group and just a plug for any, no matter what industry you're in, but if you're eligible for a small law firm, definitely check them out. And, but for me personally too, you know, being part of masterminds, whether it's for entrepreneurship or specifically for us, there's, there's some groups out there for just marketing agencies. So, but if you just can find a general group, like entrepreneurs organization is a really good one. It's just having those folks that run a business like yourself that, you know, your family doesn't might not run a business. Uh, you know, you go home to your wife or husband or your kids or your family, or even your friends. In my case, most of them do not run businesses. So it's mm-hmm. some of the conversations and things you like, like to talk about. You're, you're kind of lonely in there. Like, I don't, I don't have someone to talk to So, and you can learn so much so quickly. Mm-hmm. I read books all the time. And sometimes I'll pick up a little thing, but being in a group that's holding you accountable and giving yes. you're you going to take it in a little bit more too. saying, all right, this person who's successful is telling me to do this. And it just, you're going to apply it and do it. So for us, yeah. it's been life-changing for our businesses. To
1: yeah, be I, have a, I have a CEO through how to manage and he beats me up on the regular. So <laughs> but holding me accountable, you know, and I just had a meeting with him. You know, I meet with him three times a month and he was going through his list and he's like, have you done, you know, X, Y, and Z? And I just gave him a blank stare in the lens. (laughs) (laughs) He said, I'm going to take that as a no. And I'm like, you know, I'm so busy being successful that um, it just kind of got away from me.
0: (laughs) I was being successful. So just leave me alone.
1: Right. But yeah, it's
0: just, again, I've heard nothing but good things about how to manage and uh, definitely check this out. Check that group out. The clients we have have said nothing great things. And Carlondo Scott, who, uh, you know, he's actually a member of that group as well. So uh, yeah, check that out. But, and I think uh, there's some requirements, I think, for how, what size you are, maybe at some point you you can't be a member.
1: It'll be a while before I hit that. (laughs) So I'm not going to worry. But yes, I think, you know, well, they're like kind of different tiers depending on your revenue and depending on the tier, I don't think they ever let you Go. I mean, of course, if you get that big, then you're good. You've learned it all. So go ahead. Well, talking that, to them,
0: there's some firms in there that've been there for years and years yes, that are yes. massive. Yes. Way beyond, I guess, the threshold. But they're still, as long as you join when you were x size, you can right. stay in. And you wouldn't stay in if it wasn't worth it, right? So
1: right, exactly. <laughs> but you asked about plans for the next two to five years. I definitely, I want to grow my practice. I don't want to be too large. If I had a total, like myself included, of five attorneys with you know the right amount of support staff, I would be happy. You know, when you keep it small, you can really be flexible when it comes to how you treat your staff and what their needs are with their families. You know, I have to run a business, but I understand that life happens and we're living in some very weird times right now. You know, I've got staff members that have children that are, you know, learning virtually, they're not going to school. Maybe by choice, maybe not, maybe because they have underlying health conditions or are not old enough to be vaccinated yet. And I've had to work with them. When you get to be too large, you can't do that. You know, you have a policy, you have to follow it, and everything is applied across the board. There's no give and take. And and I've been a part of a big firm like that. And that's one of the things I said I don't want. (laughs) I want to be able to be a little flexible and just foster some loyalty you know, from my staff by meeting their needs when they need them, as long as they meet mine. So that's a benefit of being a manageable size.
0: That's good though. I mean, you know what you want and you can still be very, very successful at that size and you got the balance and you have a family. So, yes, but the thing is that you know what you want and, and some want to go crazy and have this massive firm. Some people don't want to be past the sole proprietor. And, and that's fine too. It's whatever you like to do. So I the, think the, just, just knowing that is, I is think the epiphany
1: part. for me was you, when I started looking for a consulting group is, you know, everyone says that at some point your business should work for you, not work you working for your business. And I had not reached that point <laughs> before, before working with working with HTM, I felt like I was working just as hard as when I started. And I knew something was very wrong with that picture very very wrong 10 years in i should be skating a little bit <laughs> at least you know <laughs> so that's the one thing i don't you know it doesn't matter what size you are but if you've been in practice for a while you're and you're, you know you own your own business there should come a point in time where your business works for you instead of the other way around and if you're not meeting if you've not gotten to that point yet and you're five seven ten years in you need to stop and really evaluate your business because you're missing something. I don't want to say that you're doing something wrong, but truly you don't know what you don't know. And there's a lot that I didn't know and I'm learning and I'll continue to learn for years, but you don't know what you don't know. And life could be so much better. And you've got the power within your hands to make some changes. You just need some guidance, you know, from the right people.
0: No, hundred percent. You should not be, working yourself to death and, and the same thing over year after year after year. And, you know, you can't work forever. So you have to put some things in place mm-hmm. and you know things like for us, it's having processes in place and, right and then giving people opportunity as well. You know, uh, leadership opportunities, uh, management, whatever it may be, but you got to start relying on people. And I think that's hard as an entrepreneur. When I first hired True. my first person was like, you know, I, I can't let anyone do any of this stuff. And so you got to let go at some point and start to delegate. For
1: Absolutely. Sure. That's hard. It really is. Yeah. My associate attorney he asked me just last week, he said, do you ever get tired of being in charge and like telling everyone what they need to do or just, just organizing things, even if it's just like an employee luncheon or something like that, do you ever get tired of that? And I was like, yes, of course I do. But at that point in time, I just didn't have anyone that I could delegate to that has since changed, but yeah, of course I get tired of it. And so, but if you do it for so long, it is, it's hard to give it up even though you want to.
0: Yeah. Excellent. Well, I appreciate you telling us, I mean you shared a ton of good tips. So it's been challenging for us to pull all this together because we got a lot of flips there. I think we can get Shannon who's just out here, who does a lot of our social media. We'll have her hands full, but I appreciate all the tips you shared. And I think.
1: You're welcome.
0: Knowing what you want to do, loving what you do.
1: Getting help when you need it.
0: Start early. Get help when you need it. Look for groups that you can be part of. How to manage seems like a very good one for most to to check out. And, yeah, I love all the tips you had to share. Check out Stephanie's website. Is there another way people can connect with you? Maybe it's another attorney, maybe someone that's going to law school. If they're listening to this episode on the podcast or maybe on our YouTube channel, what's the best way they can connect with you to maybe have a further conversation?
1: Sure. If they go to the email, or excuse me, they go to the, um, the firm website, contact information is there. If they want to email me directly, my email address is just sbrinkley at brinkleylawfirmllc.com. And they can email me directly. You know, I'm happy to give back to the community. I enjoy mentoring law students. I'm a member of some really wonderful groups. I'm a member of the ABA's family law division, and I actually am the vice chair for the Assisted Reproductive Technology Committee. And that's how I met Corlando's through the ABA, okay. actually. So um, we have some mutual friends. I'm also a fellow with Quad A, which is an Academy of Adoption and Assisted Reproduction um, attorneys. And so I know a lot of people. I can connect people with my friends across the country if they're looking for advice or an internship or something like that. I, I love to connect people and especially help people achieve their goals that make their goals that make them happy and get them closer to the end game. So anyone that wants to reach out, they can.
0: Excellent. Well, I appreciate that. I'm sure everybody else will as well. So yeah, reach out to Stephanie. If you've got any questions, I'm sure she'd be happy to answer those. And to check out Stephanie's episode, obviously right now it's up on our YouTube channel. Soon she'll have her own page up on our website. You can go to raylaw.com forward slash podcast. That'll be featuring her. And then we will be getting this on the podcast, audio version, Google and Apple podcast, as well as we'll be putting her all over our Instagram and LinkedIn and Facebook over time as uh, we get some of the editing done. So uh, be sure to check that out. If anyone listening needs help, Growing the firm marketing is what we do digital websites, social SEO, and online advertising, you can reach out to me or someone from my team, just like Stephanie. Happy to ask any questions. If it's just a talk, it doesn't have to be to purchase anything from us or services. It's, this is all we do. We only work with law firms. We know it works. Uh, so if it's just giving guidance, happy to tell you what to do. So reach out to me and I'll happy to help you. You can go to LinkedIn, check me out there, Kevin and Daisy. Or Kevin at this is the com. So that's it. Stephanie, if you want to hold on for just one second, we'll go backstage for a second. Everyone else, thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you again next time.